0: All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of Tell Me This. We are in not the, quite the middle yet, but we are in the midst of our 10-part series on leadership and paradoxical mindset. And ah, uh, Danielle, I am super, super excited that we have Jenny Gaither on the podcast today. Welcome, Jenny.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, we're so happy to have you here. It's like, I feel like we have such a powerhouse of guests this season, Danielle. So it's like, it's amazing. So do you want to do the honors of introducing Jenny?
2: Absolutely. And I have to say that every time I record a podcast on Zoom, and now Jenny is sitting next to me, I wish that the listeners could actually see us recording because like, there's a smile on my face. And my younger sister, actually, when she listens to the podcast, she'll say, I can hear you smiling. I'm like, what does that even mean? But, you know, <laughs> we can see me smiling here. And yes, Jenny is sitting next to me. I'm lucky to be her neighbor and her yeah, longtime friend. Um, before I have Jenny introduce yourself, give you a little bit about your background. I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. I've been lucky to know you through SoulCycle and the Movement Foundation. And Carrie, you are in for a treat for listening to the true awakening that's actually happened over the past year. I've been so fortunate to spend probably 95% of my time with Jenny over COVID and learn so much about her. So this is just a snippet of insight. So Jenny, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and your story as it relates to Being a woman, a destructor and a leader. Well, I am honored to be asked to be here. So thank
1: you ladies. Yeah. So my, my journey is pretty untraditional, but I guess all of our journeys are unique in their own little way, but as a dance major in college, who moved to New York city to pursue this dream that I've had since I was seven to be a professional dancer. I fell into the fitness industry because I developed an eating disorder and felt super low, just had no self-worth and so much of that stemmed from conditioning from society um, and the dance scene very much caters to one body type. So I fell into the fitness industry um, and I started teaching at SoulCycle, which was the first time in a years that i found something that i did not see um myself finding on a stationary bike dancing to beyonce <laughs> but <laughs> you know things happen at crazy times but in this cycling class i found myself again and and strength was something i hated about myself for for most of my life because being a strong woman was looked down upon, you know, women starved themselves. So they were as strong and were more meek and lean. And I was actually the girl that was lifting the women because I had so much strength and that kind of got to me at a certain point. Um, so anyways, I, I found me, I found myself again. I found something that I had lost, which was this sense of power this energy, this electric fire, this vibrancy inside of myself that I am capable of anything I put my mind to. And when I'm in that state of mind, like I really do create a lot of amazing things. And so I became an instructor and I noticed that as I was teaching my shame still followed me, it still lingered. And it was because I didn't think I was worthy of the title of a fitness professional because of my body and I've, I had belly fat. And everyone at this time in 2012 really preached beach bodies, summer bodies, six pack abs. And I didn't have those. <laughs> I was like, what are those? Um, so I would wear a sweatshirt with my hair down and just ride which was crazy because it's like a Bikram class, you know, you're hiding. I was hiding myself from myself and everyone else. And I had this realization that enough is enough and we should all be confident and proud of who we are, wherever we're at in our journey and any body that we have. And I started preaching this and I really just started disrupting the industry, the fitness industry, the diet industry at 23, and said enough is enough. All of these, unrealistic body standards create body shame, body dysmorphia, and eating disorders, and people feel worse about themselves than better. And movement, wellness, community should be about empowerment, about empowerment of oneself and this sort of collective rising together, which is what I loved about Soul Cycle. It was sort of as a dancer, I was never really on a team. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I have a team. <laughs> um, and my being this 23-year-old in New York City, sort of taking over the scene, caused a lot of people to turn their heads, and and I got a lot of attention in an amazing way, which I was not seeking out. I just wanted to make a change for myself and other people, and I unknowingly was starting a movement. And women came to New York, flew to New York to meet me, wrote letters from all over the country to to essentially ask me what's next. And that's when I had this idea to start my nonprofit movement foundation, which uses fitness, physical movement, community to empower girls specifically in underserved communities to build self-worth and confidence. And this movement that started from a tiny little idea, idea seed in my head Grew to what it is now six years later, which is an internationally recognized organization that's hosted well over six large scale, nationally um, held events that have impacted hundreds of thousands of women. We've raised over a million of dollars to impact girls all over the world by giving them athletic scholarships, providing them with body positive curriculum. And when the world flipped upside down during the pandemic, we decided to follow what the world needed. And the people that championed our message from the very beginning, which were the instructors, right? They are our beaming light of what we believe in. They are exuding our mission and they are providing the classes that we gave to middle school girls. So a lot of the fitness industry was suffering and is still is. So we wanted to support in any way we can. So we've been giving back to our community through grants and scholarships, and specifically BIPOC women who are business owners in the industry, as well as professionals who are keeping movement alive in their communities, which is keeping people alive at this point, right? Wellness has become essential to our livelihood, our, our mental health, and, is what keeps us connected. So lastly, I'm just telling you my whole life story.
2: Keep going, I am loving We could this. be here
1: all day, <laughs> y'all. Um, <laughs> lastly, that transitioned into another branch in my career, which is what I really focus on now is my confidence coaching. And I help women from the ages of late 20s to in their 60s, very wide range of women of all different types of walks of life who really doubt themselves. And I think it's something I relate to and have dealt with my entire life. And it's fascinating because I find that more women are coming to me since the pandemic about self doubt because they're having to make bigger life decisions, whether it's Mm -hmm. about their career, moving cities, um, Families, relationships falling apart, they're having to make bigger life decisions and they don't feel like they trust themselves to do that. So essentially, I help women mm. do what I did in a soul cycle class like find themselves again, build confidence in their decisions, career, and relationship with themselves.
0: Well, I have to say, in that great introduction, I could go a hundred different directions. <laughs> And I'm trying really hard to remember that we have a set of questions that we talked about. And so (laughs) I'm going to circle back to some things you said. The first thing I have to get straight for the record is New Yorkers don't say y'all. So where does that come from?
1: I'm so glad you asked because I should should not be saying y'all, but I really like. (laughs) Oh, it's not. a. You can say it. I just (laughs) no. I'm not from the South. I'm from Santa Cruz, California, (laughs) and then moved to San Francisco and New York and back and forth and back and forth. But yeah, it's funny every instructor in the fitness industry says y'all
0: yeah that's awesome i am i went to school i went to school in north carolina and lived there for 10 years so i almost felt like i was coming back to nc when you said that so i I picked up on it really quickly so
2: (laughs) yet another reason by the way carrie i was so excited for the two of you to meet because there's so many (laughs) things we're going to learn about each other yeah Yeah, that's going to be this collective you know incredible energy here so
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really curious, Jenny, um, you know, you've mentioned coach, disruptor. What's your definition of leader? Because clearly you are a leader, whether you set out to do that or not, you have become a leader. So what's your concept of leader or leadership?
1: When I think of leadership and the type of leadership I'm attracted to and the type of leader that I strive to be, is someone that embodies courage and vulnerability, someone that brings the human experience to their professionalism. Mm. So while they're experts, and they're talented, and they're finessed in what they do, and they show up and they crush goals, they are also human. (laughs) They are flawed. Mm. They have moments where they are ineffective in their pursuits, yet they're still influential.
0: How common do you think that is in a leader, vulnerability and courage?
1: I think it's becoming more common, hopefully. Mm. I think that energy is contagious and with all of the podcasts like your own (laughs) (laughs) and, and sort of revolutionary women like Brene Brown i know mm-hmm. i know we have a big fan girl in the house i mean glennon and Brene right here
0: yeah so. two and two fangirls or three fangirls right.
1: sure. I mean, even my mom <laughs> knows about Brene brown and my mom yeah. you know is very disconnected from the self-development <laughs> industry and and sort of i think that it's because the conversation is the the ripple the drop in
2: mm-hmm. the water Got it. I like how you said Got that too, because from all of the research that we have been looking into and from hearing people like Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and the Sarah Lewis's in the world about all these leadership traits that they are. They're not fixed. There's something that can be built and. When I heard you say courage and vulnerability and the ability to show up. And really, as you as a human, you know, I'm drawing back to why Carrie and I have started this podcast. And that really is the focus on the paradoxical mindset. And Carrie, you can start by maybe giving a, Jenny a quick story about how we got into that. And I can add a little bit more about what I think about paradoxes. But when you talked about, Jenny, the courage, the vulnerability and the human, humanity first, to me that started the my wheels turning about what, how these kind of show up in a paradox and how you navigate challenge and, Cultivate belonging by integrating this paradoxical mindset. So, Carrie, as we talk about this, do you want to give Jenny a little bit of insight about where we came at this in terms of paradox and leadership?
0: Yeah, I can. I'll. I can give sort of the abridged version since we talked about it in the intro for the ten-part series. Um, essentially, um, I'm sure you know by now, Jenny. Uh, you know, Danielle was a. A student in my leadership class, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was awesome. And in that leadership, it's a leadership theory class. So we explore all sorts of leadership, you know, everything from sort of, you know, the trait white man, you know, you thought that you were born the born leader, right, that you had to have particular traits in the evolution. And we, there was an article in there about paradoxical leadership. And essentially, you know, as a leader of a nonprofit, you'll appreciate this. One of the things they talk about is this tension between, doing you know good right like alt- altruism and profit the tension that always exists and so in this article the author spoke a lot about this notion of paradoxical leadership and what the author actually suggests is the way you make this work and this is where danielle and i started to dig into it you know he essentially gets to this idea of integration that you need to acknowledge that these two things are different the uniqueness of them acknowledge the benefits of these two things and then figure out how to make them mesh, right? And so I think that runs very um, aligned with the idea of paradox, right? Yeah. So
2: And to add to that, of course, drawing back to Dr. Brene Brown, I was looking yeah. at some of the, the ways that she's defined it in her book, Braving the Wilderness. She even says that paradoxes have a way of cutting to a heart of breaking out of our ideological bunkers. So when I even mm-hmm. think beyond just the idea of paradox in navigating financial gain and and social well-being there is this inherent ideology and perspective that skilled leaders bring to paradoxes and as carrie said integration and presenting with this wholeheartedness and this courage so for you as you think about integration of perspectives and narratives what is it about paradoxes that resonate with you and when carrie talked about paradoxes holding this seemingly oppositional ideas so what does it look like when you are doing this and are there opportunities and examples of paradoxes that show up for you as a person and as a leader? Yeah. I, I think of my whole life story as a paradox. I,
1: the,
0: <laughs> It's like the mother load, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: accurate. <laughs> um, well, it, It was in the moments where I felt the most broken Mm -hmm. that I realized I was also the most whole. And I would not be in this, uh, the nicest apartment I've had so far with Danielle right now. I wouldn't have all the things that I have right now. I wouldn't be the person I am without, without all of the adversity that I had to face with all the seemingly tragic experiences that felt like they broke me and something i realized Mm -hmm. is it's it's sort of just like breaking open and shedding layers that weren't necessarily ever me and Mm -hmm. i got closer to the most the most authentic real version of myself through those experiences so once i was able to conceptualize that. And the power in that i started observing that in everyone everyone in my classes all my clients i was like wow we're just all shells like trying to protect ourselves from this like brokenness but then i just want to scream like break open like <laughs> let yourself
0: free <laughs>
1: yeah come to the yeah. other side <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you said in your introduction you got to a point i think you were talking about um you know when you were wearing the sweatshirt and wearing your hair down and you said enough is enough mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering you know when you think about paradox and you think about you know for our audience and for folks who don't have the privilege of coaching with you how do you get how do? how do you arrive at that moment enough is enough, right? Like if you're not lucky enough to sort of have that aha moment, what can you be doing like strategically? If you does that make sense what I'm asking? Like what should be what what kind of things should we do to get to that moment?
2: And adding to that, I just want to see like when do you know that you arrive at that place?
0: Yeah. For sure.
2: To me, I I saw the I see it every day with you and when in your classes or as you're leading or watching you with Brave Babe. Like how do we even get to that moment where like you realize oh this is i can be broken and whole at the same time and then how do you operate from that
0: yeah
1: the real truth of it is i was trying to change myself to fit the world Mm -hmm. to fit in this box that fit fitness professionals existed in that all had six-pack abs and i starved myself and Took laxatives and then went the other direction and was binging and I was doing everything to change myself to fit something that I couldn't fit into. It's Like mm. square pig, round holes. Is that what they say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so
1: yep. I, I, the en- enough is enough came from if I can't change the expectations of of me and fit into that, what I can do is, is remove them and say, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not, I'm not changing. This is who I am and man, is it easier to just accept that and way less energy, (laughs) way less work and so much more power. And it was just, I guess, a moment of exploration of, you know, if this, if you're hitting your head on this wall so many times. What would it be like to do the opposite of that Mm -hmm. and fully accept yourself exactly as you are?
2: I hear that and I hear liberation, Mm -hmm. like exuding from your pores right now. And (laughs) I'm just wondering, how do you get to liberation? I mean, it seems to be, and we could draw back to paradoxes, it's inherent in the human condition. And yet, you know, Carl Jung calls it one of the highest spiritual awakenings that a person can have and something loosely like that. But so how do you get to that point of liberation where you're just saying, this is who I'm going to be and this is how I'm going to operate according to how I show up in the world? Is it values? Is it like, what skill, is it a skill set? How did you get to that place? Yeah, so I ran from
1: the pain because I just wanted the joy and we're conditioned to wake up and wanna be happy and should be happy and content all the time. And when we don't feel that way, something's wrong with us. And we just automatically assume something's wrong with us. And that compounds on itself. When the real reality of life is we are supposed to have 50% of challenges, of hardship, and 50% mm-hmm. of joy and love and fulfillment. And when I just kept running away from the hardship, it just got bigger and heavier and harder. And so... Mm-hmm not only accepting myself, but fully accepting the emotions that are not comfortable, fear, uncomfortableness, right? We are in a world where we're having uncomfortable conversations, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So this, this push to stretch myself out of my comfort zone, to feel things that I wasn't willing to feel, to look at things I didn't want to look at. And similarly to what you were talking about, Carrie, is how do we like hold both? How do we two seemingly very different things of one experience and not let one outweigh the other?
0: Mm-hmm. I just need to sit with all that for a minute, <laughs> but I know it's a podcast, so I don't want to have silence.
2: <laughs> the podcast. silence just shows that we are yeah. continuing just to just
0: process pop- I'm trying to process it. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, I have so many thoughts going through my head, Jenny, that I want to ask you, like, how have you seen, I guess I'll ask this to me, this is the easier question. How have you seen that mindset play out in your organization? And I'm thinking about things like belonging and inclusion and like, what does that look like, you know? with you with with you armed with this mindset what impact does that have on your organization and the folks that you work with
1: yeah so you know when i had this idea of starting movement i had just come to this awakening in my own body self acceptance self empowerment and it's interesting right a lot of people could look at my body and be like you are skinny you do have six pack abs and we all just have very different perspectives of how, who we are, what is good, mm-hmm. what is bad, what is acceptable, and when I was looking to help and empower women through wellness, I, I immediately looked to where it wasn't existing, and so much of that was in underserved communities, mm-hmm. and I would visit schools with my founding partner, and we would see girls who didn't feel comfortable changing in the, in the dressing room and wearing PE clothes and being active when their bodies are changing or when they aren't fit and the humiliation that they felt and the embarrassment that they felt when other people would pick on them for those things. So I've always sort of been drawn to where the gaps are. And I feel like I'm very self-aware and I'm aware of what's going around me and what What's not working, and what the oversaturated, overcompetitive? There's a there's a literally like four studios on every block in New York City. Yet yeah, in some communities, they don't have one. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is wrong. And and as someone who who didn't have the family that they wanted to go home to, I my therapist and I. <laughs> Lisa, we are convinced that dance saved my life. Mm. And and because it was so powerful in my life, I wanted to make sure everyone had the opportunity to be saved.
2: Mm. Tell me more about how this shows up for women, because I know knowing you and knowing your career and what you're invested in, movement directs towards women. You're bra- you work with women in Brave Babe. so. Have you noticed this difference or what is so unique about the experience as a woman in leadership and working with women in navigating all that you're talking about from being broken and and whole, from giving, just reckoning even with what society tells us about what we should and should not do, about acting in liberation. So what is that about with women that you're so passionate and invested in? Mm -hmm.
1: I think that the, my angels in my life, the women that have also saved me and who've really shown me what I've I'm capable of. were all women <laughs> and, and I noticed that as a woman, I wasn't taken as seriously, even in my own household. I recognize that women especially when I came forward at 23, like we're craving permission to also come forward and and speak their mind and be powerful and be brave. Words that we did not, adjectives we did not associate with women. Mm. Powerful, strong, leaders, fierce, confident. And I, here we are again, I guess it always goes back to when I finally accepted the strength that I've always had. And then really just ran with that and, and wanted all women to not be afraid. And I spent so much of my life trying to be invisible and I don't want women to have to feel invis- invisible And so we have a lot of work to do. There's a lot that's been conditioned in us and every single one of my clients. It's like, we start with undoing, undoing like unpeeling all these layers of what, where that fear is coming from. Why can't they stand up and use their voice? Why can't they wear whatever they want to wear to work? Why do they have to feel self-conscious standing in front of a room of men?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just had so many questions that I needed answers. And, so, yeah. <laughs> and I, I still do. And, and, I have lots of questions. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, I I find that when I don't understand something or if someone's not doing it, I'm just like, fine, I will.
0: Mm.
1: If we're if someone's not gonna do it, like
2: I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Oh, so after the podcast, Carrie, I need to tell you about the um run-in with a taco in Union Square. But that's <laughs> not for the listeners.
0: I'll let you okay. continue on
2: with the with the interview. I have a few questions about mastery and progress, but uh Carrie, I know mm. I see your wheels are spinning, so I know <laughs> you have a follow-up question to ask Jenny.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm still I'm still on this enough is enough, right? Like that moment where you you noticed these paradoxes and Echo Bathia was on our podcast a couple of episodes ago and talked about multiple narratives, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so I'm sort of sitting with this idea of multiple narratives because I can hear, and I think I've experienced myself this, especially, I mean, I think men have, there are definitely men out there that face these challenges as well. I want to acknowledge that I think predominantly it's women who have the body image issues and so being able to sit with these narratives of i'm a strong woman who doesn't fit the fitness industry right Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm strong i'm strong and it doesn't fit like those are those are the multiple narratives and what i'm struggling with jenny is how do we move people from this is a should Mm-hmm. To it's just a multiple, right? Like it's not a tension that I have to fight and be upset about and hide and wear sweatshirts to work and you know, that kind of thing. It's multiple narratives that I can hold. Mm. And what I'm struggling with is how do we move people from the tension and struggle to being able to hold those things? Um, and the other thing I wanted to throw out there for both of you to chew on is what I've noticed in myself, and shame on me because one of my values is authenticity. What I've noticed about myself is I'm way better at holding paradox for somebody else Mm -hmm. and being able to bring, invite them into a conversation and say, you can be smart and confused. You can be right. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to my own self-talk and you can't see it, but I'm shaking, I'm wagging my finger at myself. (laughs) I'm not good at taking care of myself. Right. And so that, that, I keep coming back to that question. Like, how do I, I can shift it. I can help shift for others Mm -hmm. and be in that conversation. But when, when it comes to self, how do we help ourselves shift? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, I think the most important question is why, why Mm -hmm. isn't it working? Why, why are you always, we don't, we acknowledge our pain, but we don't (laughs) acknowledge the road that keeps and like, Giving us the same outcome. Yeah. You know, it's like we yeah. turn our head to that part, but we're like, oh, mm. here I am again. It's something's wrong with me. It's like, no, how'd you get there? How'd you wind up in that same result over and over and over again? Mm. So why are you choosing to believe that you're not great at self-care? Why are you choosing to believe that you don't fit in this industry? And when you ask yourself why, it really starts to create this internal narrative of like, It breaks the the construct. It almost like allows a little more room to maybe think Mm -hmm. a little differently.
0: Mm. So when people who are listening ask themselves that question, one thing I have found in the research bears this out is when we hear others, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to do the podcast is when we hear about others' stories Mm -hmm. and we hear their struggle, and most importantly, we hear their overcoming that brings a sense of belonging because we're like, oh, we aren't the only one in this struggle, right? So with that in mind, if an audience is listening and asking why and they have a response, what do you think are the most common answers to why? Like what are the themes or the threads for that?
1: In terms of, can you give me the scenario again? Like, yeah, need- so
0: so, like you said, when you when you find yourself in this situation and you find yourself coming back to that same thing, you're not taking care of yourself, or mm-hmm. you're not, you know you're 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 hit, you're beating yourself up for your weight or whatever it is, your 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 recommendation, I think it's a good one is to ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. And so, my immediate thought was, well, I bet a lot of people say it's because they're scared of something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like in your experience as a coach, yeah, what are some of the like common answers that people give for the why? I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah,
1: yeah, they give all kinds of excuses. They, yeah, everyone <laughs> has one million, and then, yeah, you know what I say to that? So what? And then they, and then it's like mic drop. I love it. I love saying <laughs> so what. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but truly, and then it always comes back. It always comes back to how you think about yourself because how you're thinking about yourself is creating your
2: actions. But that's my question, is right. So you're talking about how you're thinking about yourself, the self awareness piece and the choice. Mm-hmm. So if you now have someone who is self aware that they're running these narratives in their brain, mm-hmm. how do they move from self awareness and the thought to the action mm-hmm. of actually implementing it? So here's a fun one. Ready? Yay. Yeah. Ready. Oh, wait, should we? Should we yes. go through this? <laughs> I think we're for us. Ready, Karen?
0: We're ready. It's like it's like live coaching. I know, I here. Love I'm this. ready. <laughs> um,
1: the truth isn't real. So whatever is factual. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. The truth isn't real. So anything that you believe is true for you. And it's not real. You created it, you created the, the, whatever it is that you believe. So there's facts about the world. I'm sitting on a bench talking to Carrie and Danielle into a microphone. That's a fact, right? Some of the external things in the world, that everybody for the most part would agree on, you could prove it in the court of law is a fact. Then everything else is what you're telling yourself is true. So everybody's truth is different. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a different truth and how they see the world and how they see themselves, which is made up. So it's not true. The truth is not true. So if the truth isn't true, if I can say, I, if I can make up that I am the most beautiful woman in the world. I can also make up that I'm the ugliest woman in the world.
2: Mm-hmm. So if I can create this whole life story. Of how I'm seeing the world, I can change it. Think about that too, with Brene Brown's the story I'm telling myself, and even in that micro moment, yeah. how powerful those link that language is.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I mean, it's so interesting that you brought that up, Jenny, because I think and, you know, just coming off the top of my head, this is why I think this is partly why we wanted. I wouldn't have articulated the way you did so beautifully, but I think this is also partly why Danielle and I wanted to do this 10 part series, because the more I read about paradox and the more I talk to people like yourself, I'm convinced that if we can wrestle with paradox, those multiple narratives, those multiple truths that you just described, Mm Then we're on to something, right? Because if I, if I'm willing to even consider that there's a truth outside of what I think is true, I'm partway there, mm-hmm. right? I'm not there yet, but I'm partway there. So I think, yeah, I definitely think you're on to something there.
1: Yeah, and I want to say one more thing about that. So you can believe whatever you want to believe, believe whatever you want to believe, but is it serving your life? And if it's not, why are you choosing to believe it? And so that's where it comes into play in terms of power. So if I genuinely believe I'm incapable of starting my own podcast, okay, I can I can choose that. I can hold on to that. I can be stubborn and carry that and sleep with that and nuzzle into it. Or I can let it go because that's not serving maybe my greater vision of being my own having my own show. So yeah. I think it ultimately always boils down to in terms of when you're asking yourself why, when you're getting curious into your self-belief system
2: mm-hmm. is,
1: okay, this is what I've chosen for a long time. Do I want to keep it? Does it serve Jenny moving forward? And then I always love to like, pretend I'm Jenny in the future. She's awesome. <laughs>
0: and if I, and super smart too, right. Always super wise. Yeah. She
1: makes like 15 million a year. She's crazy <laughs> that girl. And that's smart fire. Yeah. So she, she is who I try to embody every day. And mm-hmm. I think like who, who, how would future Jenny think if she's already arrived where I want to be, if she is the goals in terms of how, I want to feel about my body and myself
2: and what i'm capable of as you're talking as you went through your background your story and future jenny which i'm excited to meet too every day <laughs> <Me> too. <laughs> how much of that in terms of you know <laughs> seriously it's like wake up it's like woo, this is exciting <laughs> um but how much of that too when when you talked about your background and your story and the future jenny a lot of it is this process of becoming and shedding and becoming, shedding and becoming. So I'd like you to flesh that out a little bit more for us from your story and then how you then externalize that to the people that you lead this constant, ever-changing process of becoming as, as humans. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I just don't believe in a ceiling. I don't believe in limits and I don't believe in that for anyone and especially myself. And so, today is who I am today, but tomorrow I, in my mind, allow space for myself to be someone completely different and to arrive into a whole different mindset that I didn't think think of today, right? Like, I mm-hmm. I guess I don't, I'm never, and maybe this is not a good thing, I don't know, is this therapy session, but I, I just, It's not that I'm never not fulfilled because I'm super fulfilled, right? It's not like I'm chasing something that doesn't exist, but I believe Mm -hmm. in, I love the, actually, I think I'm just really passionate about creating and becoming. It's just very fulfilling. And the more you realize how much power you have and use these exercises to really start changing your mindset. Your actions change, how you show up to the world change. And then very quickly, I mean, the amount of things that have changed in my life this year is really, really crazy. Things move so fast and it's almost like maybe addictive in a way where you're just like, this is so cool. I can keep creating. Mm. But then I, you know, I do have moments where I pause and, and allow myself to, especially this is a new, this is a new development in my life is to pause and just be like, wow, I can't Mm -hmm. believe I've, I, I've created and made this life for myself and I've come this far.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it sounds to me, I mean, I don't want to correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds to me that you have figured out how to focus on. It's another paradox that Danielle and I've talked about is this notion of outcomes and journey, right? Like outcome and process. Mm -hmm. And it feels a lot like you're just acknowledging that this whole, this is a journey, right? Like you're, you don't have one set of outcomes in mind. And even if it's future, future Jenny, who's amazing and super smart and wealthy and all that's not, that's not the outcome you're on this journey and you're rel, it feels like you're relishing Mm -hmm. that journey. Right. And that's a really nice, it feels like that might be a really nice space to be in. So yeah
1: yeah and it's not always easy though right it's, <laughs> no. it's like the
2: the it's embracing the the positive and the negative of growth yeah yeah so that's my question i and i like how you use pause i was going to ask you well, what happens when you get stuck because inevitably you know i'll wake up and i'll have i'll i'll try and, and use jenny's strategies i mean what's the what's the danielle i want to manifest at 6 p.m <laughs> and then inevitably something <laughs> happens <laughs> And I'm like, all right, I'm going to pause. I'm going to reset and see what happens. But when you are facing that adversity, that challenge, whether it is just the day-to-day grind or a long-term sense of languishing, how do you use paradox or just what are those strategies you use to overcome those challenges and adversity? I don't want anyone to think I'm Superwoman, by the way, like I, while I feel very
1: excited right now, it's because I am, I am in motion in a big way, but I want to say, as Danielle knows, I've had the past, not this year, the year before, like the past two years before I felt more stuck than I've ever felt in my life and couldn't find, couldn't find what was up or down or what I wanted or what would make me feel better but i just felt like i was slipping away into nothingness almost and and couldn't find my way out and mm. i think what what got me through that time because you know i i also when i don't when i don't feel my best i don't want to be around people <laughs> And Mm -hmm. so I was isolating. I was doing all the things. Oh, yeah. So then I. uh, This is where like the power, Do you know what I'm going to say. I do. (laughs) Um, So so I was like,
0: I don't. So tell me. I I, I, I
1: I was having. So so the reason it was so low, I I was living in San Francisco. I had just broken up with the guy that I thought I was going to marry. I lost my cousin who was in a tragic accident and was my sister, business partner, best friend, only person in my family I was close to. And I was just trying to hold on to something. And so I ended up moving back to New York because New York felt more like home than anywhere else. And I, you know, I think we all have expectations, whether we try not to have them or not, and (laughs) re-entry wasn't graceful it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. And, and moving at 30, I really thought it would be easier to cultivate friends and have plans on the weekends. And, and I realized that those things were available. I wasn't available. And so I just kept suffering because I was enabling the suffering. I was choosing the suffering every day. I had Danielle and people like Danielle who, would come to my class and make conversation and seemed really kind and open. And it's very easy to, you know,
2: hang out with her.
1: But I I chose to be alone and I chose to just be stubborn. And again, like grip to what was not serving me. Fast forward, I had a, uh, I was listening to the Almost 30 podcast I heard that they were, I thought the girls were so funny. I love them. And they had an event coming in New York. And I was like, oh, that would actually be fun. I haven't really done anything. So I think I'll go. And I went, it was like 200 women in this space. And Milana Snow was their energy healer. She does Reiki healing. She was at the, she was leading this Reiki energy session. I was like, Reiki what? What? Like, (laughs) what? I'm sorry, what? How do you spell that? what what are we doing? I'm closing my eyes for how long? Yeah. So then she puts on this playlist and I am like, music is my love language. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, we are spiritual music sisters. Like we are spirit animals through music. And basically she took us through this meditation, energy healing, and it felt like 10 minutes and we had our eyes closed and she touched my heart with her hand and something just like, broke me open and shattered me open at that moment I opened my eyes so embarrassed because I was hysterically Mm -hmm. crying and I opened my eyes everyone is crying and I was like (laughs) oh my god I'm not the only one in pain (laughs) and it was it was eye-opening because when you're in your own bubble you think you're the only person feeling suffering and pain and it was like, mm-hmm. no, everyone is feeling pain to some degree, to some level, is going through something. And the world does not just revolve around me. And so it's just such a great wake up call and opportunity, like even in the toughest city of all cities, people cry. Yeah, I loved it.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I loved hearing the story. That's a great uh, thank you for sharing that. That was Amazing. That word stuck. I have to say, I know what you mean by stuck. When you said it, Danielle, it kind of bothers me though, that word stuck because it, to me, it's like, I'm thinking as soon as you said, it, I thought about like this stake, like a, like a piece of wood in mud Mm -hmm. that like, right. Like it's not. And I just feel like, I don't know the, um, the book that I wrote is about transitions and something that I really write about in the book is that So often when we get in these these uncomfortable situations, whatever it is, you know, if it's if it's loss, you know, grief, whatever it is, our human reaction is to sidestep it, run through it quickly, avoid it, right? Like, just get through it really quick, like do we have to do something. And I just think that stuckness that you described, like, if we just go through it, Mm -hmm. like this is this is this thing that's happening. This is you know, this thing that I'm feeling, and there are other people that feel this. And I just feel like if we would just slow down and just walk through it, it's hard as hell, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not fun, Mm -hmm. but like, I feel like if we would just face it, it would be so much better. Right? Like, I mean, I've had some pretty, um, my wife and I lost a child when I I was pregnant and we lost a child, um, about 10 years ago. Um, he only lived for like three days and it's, Now I can talk about it. Right. You know, that that that, you know, it's taken a while, obviously. But I I share this not to make you feel sorry for me, but to to reflect on the fact that I don't know why we did it. I don't know how we did it. But when we knew he was dying, she and I sat in the like waiting room and said to each other, this will not break us. Uh And and I think the I reflect now. And I think the reason we said that was because we were going to, and I remember we like, I'm all I'm going to do today is put one foot, get out of the bed, one foot in front of the other. And then we were miserable and grieving for, you know, a year, but like, we just, for, I don't know how I did it and how we did it, but it was just that like intentionality of what am I going to do today? I'm going to get up, I'm going to eat some breakfast. or I'm going to get up and I'm going to take the dog for, right. Like mm-hmm. just walking through it. And I think, thank goodness we were able to not do the, like, This is how we should be acting. This is how we should be feeling. I've been grieving too long. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't, whatever, it was such a hard, I think it's one of those things. And I think it's similar to what we've been going through with the pandemic when it's so bad, you don't, you really don't have a choice, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you, you, it's like got you up against the wall essentially. And so I really appreciate that story. Cause I do think <clears throat> as hard as it is, we have to walk right through it to get through it. Like you can't yeah. avoid it or it'll just stay with you.
2: So true. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you telling that story and especially connecting back to, first of all, that's the first time I've heard that story too. And oh. I mean, the yeah. vulnerability of this room right now, I mean, I appreciate it. Yeah. it's just, you know, again, this part of power of narrative and story, but coming back to yeah. the fact that, um, I like Jenny, when you said pause, but the, the fluidity of life. And when we draw back to paradoxes, the one thing that I always journal back to is just this constant fluidity and constant motion. Mm-hmm. And like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just moving forward, sidestepping back to what Jenny was saying, constantly evolving and becoming. And to me, that, that is what's so powerful, especially when you're in the darkest of places. So yeah, a great Thanks. way to add.
0: Absolutely. And it's normal,
2: right? Like, that's what's crazy
1: it's like why are we trying to be something that we can't be we're not we're yeah. not you know robots it's part of the human experience to experience all the feelings and to go to have really boring neutral days to have really amazing highs and lows
0: yeah and to cry even in new york city to cry right? in new
2: york listen like...
1: up people cry in new york <laughs> it's shocking <laughs>
0: You're not all as tough as we think you are. Right. Uh (laughs) Cracked open. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
2: we want to get to paradox playbook.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I was just going to say, yeah, I want to wrap up. so.
2: So our last question for you, Jenny, is this new little segment that we decided to come up with last week called, um, from playlist to playbook. Mm-hmm. So when we think about paradoxes, we know we've talked about how they're inherent in the human condition, they do take this intentional practice. So among a lot of the goals that and the insights that you've shared, we want to not only illuminate the presence of paradox, but to provide insights and action steps. Mm-hmm. So what are those, your, maybe you can give us a couple, two or three action steps or a playbook on how people can. Embody paradoxical mindset and just really, like you said, come into their own power as a leader and just as a human in this world. Yeah. I so believe in failing to succeed. In
1: small ways or big ways, and it actually, when you plan to fail, it's less brutal. (laughs) So when you look at your goals, even if it's, you know, your goal for the day goal for the week. year goal vision. Something you're trying to get to, how can you set yourself up to fail to then succeed? And what I mean by that is. You know, the risk involved and you know, the outcome, regardless. If you know, you get where you want to get to is going to give you that nugget of information, knowledge. Substance to get you to the next ring to move you forward. Right. And so while. Failure is definitely something people for the majority are. So afraid of push away. I'm a huge believer that. You know, when, when we think failure is. You know, potentially losing it all it's like, when we don't take the risk is when we actually lose everything. That we could be so that would be 1 It's like, really think through, like, how can in small ways you fail to succeed every day and just get used to failing because it's awesome. I fail all the time. And then, (laughs) and then I'm like, wow, I know so much. (laughs) And I'm like, I think that's why I'm a coach. Everyone's like, you're 33. Like, and my, some of my clients are in their sixties. They're like, how are you so wise? I'm like, I'm not afraid to fail. So I've learned a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. and then secondly, is it goes back to what I was talking about earlier of this 50, 50 life, if our goal is not to wake up to be happy because that's essentially going to set us up for failure if we don't achieve that what is something that embodies 50 50 that so you know you're going to achieve it that is a intention for the day or a, a purpose for the day or for the week so for example for me it's impact impact involves 50 50 right because of the process of making impact but it's, it's possible regardless. Mm -hmm. And another one is love. Like I'm waking up to feel love, be love, give love. 50, 50. Some people might be like, ma'am, I don't want that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all I don't want that. That's what they would say. (laughs) Y'all I'm from California.
0: (laughs) But yeah,
1: just really thinking through, I know, I know people talk a lot about like intention setting, and it might be a like buzzword that people are overhearing, but I find it so powerful to think through. Using that word in terms of growing as a leader, growing Mm -hmm. as a person when thinking of not just positive affirmation based intentions, but one ones that come with challenges come with grit
2: and all these other things that you have to lean into. You say that love and impact are your values. Is that something 50-50 is based on values or is it change every day? Doesn't have to be? Those were the first two that came to my head.
1: <laughs> I love them. Yeah, those are
0: I think those are good ones. I I I appreciate and also use the sort of intention setting. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is, is buzzy. So I have a coach and I do a little bit of coaching and I've started doing that with my clients. And I think the reason I started doing it is because too often, it's so easy to set a big, lofty goal. Like, I want to run a marathon uh, That just, you know, as an example. And that's not like, that's pretty, that's a big for, especially if you're not having done a lot of training. Right. And so I say to, I ask my clients, but like, let's set like intentions for today. Right. Cause to get to the marathon, you have to agree to do something today, even if it's four months away. And if you don't do that thing today, that thing in the future is not going to happen. So I often think intentions are nice because, it's just those those small steps that are often the hardest ones for us to take. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's good. So I love the the failing to succeed, intentional fail, which I think is really hard, especially Danielle, you can attest to this. It's really hard for doctoral students yeah. to to buy into that. Um, and then I love the 50/50 idea cuz that I I've started saying when I when I run Cause I'm really hard on myself when I run, I say, um, progress over perfection. So it's that same sort of idea, right? Like giving yourself some grace to, to just have a good day and success, success in a different way. So I like that 50, yeah. 50, that's a good yeah. one. It's
1: like, you're winning by just showing up. So like,
0: that's how right. Awesome is that? <laughs> mm-hmm. And some mornings, <laughs> that's what I say to myself, Jenny, I'm like, look, you got up. Yeah. It's five thirty in the morning. You got up. You are out here. Be satisfied. Don't beat yourself up because you're, you know, tired. So
1: yeah, I mean, I showered today, so it's been a very <laughs> good day. You
2: should have seen it three days That's ago. That's a good day for Danielle too, if, she, if you showered. So, so true. If my hair actually looks like it's blown out. Mascara. Good for today.
0: That's awesome. So. Well, look, I, Jenny, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast and spending so much time for us. And Danielle, I'm always appreciative of you and finding this amazing person and inviting her on. And I hope maybe Jenny will come back. And I did a a series this summer with coaches. I actually um, interviewed a bunch of coaches, which was so much fun. So maybe you'll come back on later this year and maybe dig in more specifically to your sort of the Jenny way of coaching would be awesome. So, great great so yeah so thanks everybody for listening um this has been one of our episodes in our 10-part series on paradoxical leadership and you have been listening to tell me this so thanks very much take care everybody your last year See, sweet, call us deep and so.